You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me as we continue our study through the books of Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. Today's episode deals with evangelism or sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ from these books. Now, yes, we are in the Old Testament, these two wisdom books, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and though Jesus Christ is never mentioned, we can find hints and glimpses of the gospel of Jesus. <clears throat> and today, I want to take you to Song of Songs. As I explained on our first episode this week, uh, we see that Song of Songs can be interpreted in many different ways, allegorically, literally, historically. We can see uh, that uh, some have said it's a picture of God and Israel or Christ and the church. Some have made Solomon the hero. Uh, others have seen what I believe a three-person story where the shepherd is the, the groom, the Shulamite woman is the bride. Or, or wife, and Solomon actually would take on more of a villainous role, uh, wooing the Shulamite and her rejecting his advances. Regardless of where you line up on those, uh, your interpretation, the message is still the same. You have a woman who is saving herself for her husband. And we cry out for our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, to return and uh, we cry out, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. But in the midst of this, there are several warnings, adjurations, as we have seen. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Well, there's another warning from the chorus in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. And I want to take you there as we talk about evangelism, because many times evangelism is focused on sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Um, as, as rightly uh, it should be. But we forget that there are, uh, there are guards that we've got to put up or there are things we need to protect ourselves and others against because Satan walks around like a roaring lion. And this is one of the passages that reminds us to be vigilant and sober-minded in being on mission. Look at Song of Songs 2, verse 15. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes, they're ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. And then verse 16, my beloved is mine and I am his. He pastures his flock among the lilies until the cool of the day when the shadows flee away. Uh, as, we, as we look at this passage, the, the warning is beware the foxes, catch the foxes that ruin the, the, the vineyard, the blossom. And I want to remind you that there are in Christianity foxes that come along to destroy what God has done. And, and this is the case in, in, uh, in churches all throughout the world, not just in the Bible Belt, not just in America, but all throughout the world. There are foxes that come and steal our joy and cause us to not be faithful uh, witnesses of the gospel. And there are three main foxes. The first one that I see uh, is the fox of deception, meaning have we believed a lie concerning even Christianity? That some people are deceived as to what it means to follow Christ. When we talk about evangelism, uh, many have promoted a 
and easy believism or cheap grace. Uh, I, I, I watch a lot of times when pastors, even ministers, will share a, a, an invitation and say, hey, who wants to go to heaven? And people raise their hand because it's like giving tickets away to Disneyland. Or, uh, or they say, hey, heaven's good, hell's bad. Which one do you want to be a part of? And so people claim to get saved and they are deceived because they don't realize that to be saved means to count the cost. That Christ paid. It, you know, For us, salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It costs Christ everything. And so as we follow him, we give up our lives. But many are deceived. There is a fox of deception. And that's why people are leaving the church at uh, leaving churches at enormous rates because they were never truly saved in the first place. Another fox that I see is not only the fox of deception, but the fox of distraction. Am I following other things? In the book of Song of Songs, we see uh, this woman who was not deceived. She knew her husband loved her and was coming after her, but she had the temptation to be distracted. Uh, at least in my interpretation, you have, um, or the interpretation that I hold to, um, you have a, a king and a chorus of, of women, uh, you know, this harem, who are trying to distract the young woman. They point out uh, Solomon, they point out his couch, his bed, they point out his uh, luxurious uh, lifestyle, they point out his palace, and she constantly reminds them, no, I'm, I am my beloved's and he is mine. She is not willing to be distracted. And this is one of the issues of evangelism is that we preach that, yes, though we don't see Christ face to face yet, we are to hold fast to the truth that he is coming back one day. And I want to remind you, believer, don't let the foxes of distraction get you uh, get you uh, messed up. Uh, even in your witnessing, we can be distracted from our particular purpose and mission, and that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us. A final fox is the fox of discontentment. Have I lost my desire for God? There's some of you maybe even listening right now that you are just discontent um, and not in a godly way. There is such thing as godly discontentment, meaning you're not satisfied with where we are, the church is right now. We want to grow closer to him. It's not what I mean. I mean that you're discontented because you're not getting what you thought you were owed or thought you earned or you're uh, focusing on what other churches are doing or what other ministries are doing, what other individuals are doing, and you in doing so, have lost your desire for God because it's been replaced with the desire for your own uh, your own pleasure, uh, your own um, uh, opinions or schedules or thoughts. I want to w- warn you and also war against that with you uh, that we must not become discontent with what God has called us to do or given us. We should be content in Christ. So in this, just like a relationship uh, between two lovers, uh, if we're deceived, if we're distracted, if we're discontented, we will run after other things that will kill us. The author says, catch the foxes. So how do we do that? Well, when we beware the foxes that ruin our lives, the only way to do that, to catch foxes, is to behold the good shepherd. I'll give you two ways to do this. Number one, listen to his voice over and over. 
the Shilamite woman, the, the bride, is reminding herself what the good shepherd said to her, said about her. And she longed for his voice. We have the voice of God. Maybe not audibly, but we have it from Genesis to Revelation. You need to listen to his voice. And second, lean into his love. God loves you. Today, listen to everything that I'm saying. God really does love you. He desires a relationship with you. And he has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. And one day, Jesus is coming back. So catch the foxes and do not let them spoil your vineyard. Do not let them spoil your testimony, your witness, your life. God is worthy. Listen to him and lean into his love for you. As we close out today's episode, we have Throwback Thursday, and we see uh, an, a moment of church history. And today's church history moment is actually found in 1215, A.D. 1215. Uh, so about 800 years ago, a, uh, an event took place called the Fourth Lateran Council. Now, this is not necessarily a good event. In fact, it brought about several negative things in the Roman Catholic Church. But let me give you kind of an overview of what took place and why it's important in Christian history. Though you may have never heard this before. Pope Innocent III was one of the most aggressive as far as power, uh, one of the most aggressive popes. He wanted to claim as much power and authority as he could. Uh, most of the popes leading up to that time were known as the Vicars of Peter, the first pope in their eyes. Well, he claimed the right to be called the Vicar of Christ or the representative of Christ on earth as the mediator between God and man. In fact, the famous saying was that he was below God, but he was beyond man. And this uh, attempt to become more than, uh, than, than was intended with his role uh, actually has played into where we are now, uh, especially in the, in the 15th hundreds and uh, the 16th century uh, with the Protestant Reformation, but even now where they where many view the Pope as the very representative of God that what he says is God's word, there is danger in that. And Pope Innocent III was one of the first ones that asserted that authority. And so in 1215, he held a three-day council in which he gathered people together and set forth hundreds of decrees. I just wanted to share just a few of those to let you understand where some of the common uh, Roman Catholic beliefs came from, and it came from around this time. Uh, one of those was he commanded a confession to a priest uh, by every person that took place at least annually. Now, that turned into uh, almost a weekly event, but but he required that people go to a priest and confess annually their sins and their need uh, because uh, or their, their need of forgiveness because it gave more authority to the church and the priests. He also, at this time in 1215, solidified the doctrine of transubstantiation, which is the belief that the uh, the the bread and the wine that they uh, took uh, during communion actually became the blood and the or the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, and they took it a step further. While they while they practiced this for several years, decades, uh, this became confirmed 
by the church as necessary for salvation. So they believed this was necessary. And if you did not take it, you did not have your part in salvation. And you could actually be excommunicated uh, and so uh, and, and not allowed to take it, which affected your salvation in that time. So the process of excommunication really rose under his uh, authority. And this uh, gave even more authority to the church uh, and that became even more prevalent. One of the other things that he did during his time was he separated Jews and Christians, made the Jews wear particular badges to to show that they were Jewish, and he uh, did not allow any of the Christians to associate with the Jews. There was a huge anti-Semitism during this time, which played even more into the Roman Catholic Church. Now, all of this is important because that Fourth Lateran Council in 1215 would set the stage for the next few hundred years, especially with indulgences and uh, purgatory and uh, and the authority of the Pope as the voice of God. So we see very negative aspects of this event, but nonetheless, it is a is a very important time in church history because it did set the stage for what would take place. I would apply this based on what we're reading this week. I would call this one of the foxes that had to be caught, uh, that took the eyes off of Jesus Christ. Thank God today that we know our hope is not in a pope, but in our Savior, Jesus. And may that be the truth that we proclaim to this world. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground. <laughs>